a guide to mental and emotional wellness, biblical wisdom, practical principles, clinical insight, by me, Dr. Jennifer Lundgren. Chapter 6, Gratitude and Managing Expectations Quote, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Quote, Gratitude is riches, complaint is poverty. Doris Day My parents are awesome parents. One particular area in which they excelled and continue to excel is in the area of what I will call birthday celebratoriness. My birthday was the biggest deal growing up. It started with me choosing my own box of sugar cereal and not having to share it with my siblings. An entire box of sugar cereal that I wouldn't get most day of the year was a big deal. Getting it for myself only was the biggest deal. The day ended with me choosing a meal to my exact liking and a cake of my choice. My parents weren't extravagant at birthdays, but they made us feel extremely special. They do the same for their grandchildren. My expectations about the specialness of my birthday was carried into my marriage. Unfortunately for my husband, he had completely different rituals surrounding birthdays. I remember at an embarrassingly old age in my 30s, waking up on my birthday and expecting to be surprised with balloons, flowers, or birthday cereal. Instead, I was bombarded with getting the kids ready for school, not being able to find my son's blue shirt for preschool. Not only did my husband have no birthday surprises, he slept in through all of it. That's right. He slept in on my birthday while I endured the chaos of getting kids ready by myself. In a situation like that, it is easy to let the resentful and hurtful thoughts take over. It's easy to talk about the situation with someone else and have them fuel the fire. What a jerk. How selfish. You deserve better. It's easy to let a situation like that ruin your day and for you to have a victim mindset. I was wronged, my husband is a jerk, and I am birthday serialless. As I was driving my son to preschool, I thought about a quote I had read about turning your expectations into appreciation. I had heard this from Tony Robbins, and he said that this was a life-changing mindset shift. So I thought about my expectations. I expected the royal treatment on my birthday. I expected surprises, the perfect gifts, and being treated like a queen all day. I didn't get any of that. So as much as my sinful nature wanted to fight it, I started to think about what I appreciate about my husband. He's an amazing dad. He is the rock of our family. He is the kindest human I know. I started thinking about everything I love and appreciate about my husband, and I felt my body and my brain shift completely. My heart was so full of love that I called him and started telling him everything I appreciated about him. He answered sheepishly and was surprised and a little suspicious of my response to him, but was receptive upon hearing how genuine I was with my love for him. My husband slept until 7.30 on my birthday. That wasn't a deal breaker for me. When I changed what I focused on, I felt the benefits of shifting from a victim mentality to a loving, forgiving person. 
that is my best self. That is who I want to be in my marriage. That is how I want my husband to treat me when I inevitably screw up and hurt him in our lifespan. That is what I can do out of love for Christ. I can change my expectations into appreciation and my whole outlook changes. I can also say that later in the day, I was showered with flowers and treats and gifts from my husband. He knows me and he knows that's how I feel loved. It just happened in a different way than when I expected. Expectations really are a matter of frustration and resentments waiting to happen. Managing your expectations is critical for your mental health. The definition of expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Many of us have expectations of how the government should be, how our relatives should act, how our children should obey, or even how other people should drive. We even have expectations about how we should be. I once heard the quote that frustration is a matter of expectations. You expected your Disneyland vacation to be magical, but your kids fought the whole time and someone got sick and you had to go home early. You expected your boss to appreciate you at work, but it was unnoticed. You expected your guests to contribute more to the holiday meal or to thank you profusely for hosting, but it didn't happen. You expect your three-year-old to obey you all the time. If your happiness and well-being are dependent on the world and other people and even yourself behaving the way you think they should all the time, you are setting yourself up for frustration and resentment. The world doesn't work the way we think it should. The government doesn't work the way we think it should. Other people don't behave the way we think they should. Our spouses will let us down, our kids will let us down, and we will let ourselves down. I'm not saying this to be depressing. I'm saying it because it's true. We're sinful. We live in a sinful, fallen world. Our spouses get tired and distracted, and they don't clean up the way we think they should. Our parents give our kids tons of sugar and let them watch more than one movie in a row, even though it's never a good idea. Flights get delayed. People in our lives die. If we can stop focusing on how other people let us down by never emptying the dishwasher and instead be grateful we have a dishwasher at all, our entire outlook changes. Our mood changes, our responses change, our neurobiology changes. It's a choice we can make. Just like thinking of what I loved about my husband instead of focusing on the fact that he didn't have a birthday surprise for me first thing in the morning. When appreciation becomes a habit, our lives change. When I was growing up, my mom was adamant that we write thank you notes to anyone who gave us gifts. I'm talking notes by hand, several lines of thankful sentiments sent in the mail. To this day, I don't feel like a gift is truly mine until that thank you note is written. Even now, my sister calls me if she needs like one more thankful sentiment. Her thank you notes have a formula of dear so-and-so, thank you for the gift of so-and-so, I love you, love Julia. She feels that in her adulthood, she should include more polite small talk in her notes, and that's where my expertise is called upon. I'm really good at polite small talk. It's fascinating to me how much gratitude has been discussed in mainstream psychology. A thought leader in mental health, Brene Brown, calls gratitude the most healing of all emotions 
and the foundation of empathy and joy. In our brains, gratitude actually releases a chemical called dopamine, which is our feel-good neurotransmitter. It's the same neurochemical that's released when eating a cupcake or snorting a line of cocaine. Not only does it signal pleasure to our brain, it also signals that we should keep doing what we're doing. It's our incentive and motivation neurotransmitter. Feeling gratitude releases dopamine, and this signals our body that it feels good and that we want to keep doing it. As opposed to a vicious cycle, the process of the neurobiology of gratitude is called the virtuous cycle. The other fascinating thing is that it is neurobiologically impossible to feel anxiety and gratitude in our brains at the same time. It is also impossible to feel gratitude and anger in our brains at the same time. A brain filled with gratitude has no room for anger or anxiety, and that blows my mind. It is so powerful. God knows the transformational impact of gratitude. It's an act of worship in response to God in all circumstances in our lives, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it is the state in which God asks that we come into his presence, Psalm 95.2. He asks us to come into his presence with thanksgiving. God wants us to be around him with thankful hearts. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, he tells us to live our lives in Christ Jesus, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's not a little thankful. That is an abundance of gratitude. God reminds us to increase our gratitude, and we should increase our generosity, 2 Corinthians 9.11, and our grace, 2 Corinthians 4.15. Thanksgiving has a prominence in the book of Colossians and is noted in 1 verse 12, 3 verses 15 through 17, and 4 verse 2. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say to give thanks when you get your way and life is great. It says to give thanks in all circumstances. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 reminds us not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Thanksgiving is a crucial part of prayer and supplication. Supplication is the act of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. God asks us to pray and request things from him with thanksgiving. Gratitude can have a transformational impact on your outlook. When my best friend Nikki died, I experienced tremendous grief over the loss. I was so distraught by her death that I broke down crying at work and at home as I processed my grief over my friend's death, my gratitude for my friendship with her had a tremendous healing power for me. I'm grateful I knew her. I've been forever changed because of her life and death. I'm a better mom and a better person because of her faith example and her presence as a human. My tremendous gratitude for Nikki has helped me deal with her sudden death in a way that has helped me integrate my grief into my brain I still miss my friend. I still cry about the fact that she died. 
But I don't feel resentment or anger. I don't feel afraid that I too may suddenly die. I used to feel survivor's guilt. On my son's first day of kindergarten, I cried for her son that he didn't have a mom at his first day of kindergarten. I know that grief and loss are complex, but I also know that gratitude is the most healing emotion. I'm not saying that gratitude will take sad feelings away, but it offers a perspective of healing instead of hurt. Gratitude is also most effective when it is shared. You know how you, when you receive really, really good news, you're compelled to share it? We can only feel so much by ourselves. That is why we are wired to tell other people so we can share it collectively. It's the same with gratitude. It's most effective when it's shared with others and when it is specific. If you can share with your significant other the specific things you love and appreciate about them, that goes a long way. They respond to it a lot better than you sharing their lists of areas of growth. Whenever I did couples counseling, instead of tackling the most painful areas first, I helped the couples develop an appreciation practice so there could be a foundation of psychological safety as they dealt with the tough stuff. I think all of us would love more appreciation. Since we can't control if others communicate their appreciation to us, we can start by communicating our appreciation to others. Make it super specific. Be genuine and authentic and really take time to articulate what you appreciate in others. If you're in a position of leadership at work, take take time to communicate specifically what you appreciate about your employees. One client whom I worked with in therapy happened to be a therapist herself. And at her clinic, they started a gratitude week. It's kind of like the secret Santa practice where you share treats and small gifts and tokens of appreciation. I just love that, and I think it would be a great practice at any workplace. If you can start a ritual of gratitude with your family, it's a powerful way to connect and to give thanks to God. One practice that I do with my kids every night is having them say they're happy, they're sad, they're worried, and and they're grateful for the day. If we're going to bed late and don't have time for everyone to share all of those, We slim our sharing down to just our gratefuls. If someone doesn't have a sad or a worry, they don't have to share, but they must share a grateful. Sometimes one child will say they have no gratefuls, and it's fun to see the other kids step in and remind their brother or sister what they have to be grateful for. They can always find a grateful, even if it's a hard day. Making gratitude a habit is a helpful way to make it automatic. B.J. Fogg out of Stanford developed a concept called habit stacking where you have one thing you do every day that triggers the development of a new habit. It's a simple, fascinating idea. The example that he used is that every time he went to the bathroom, he did one push-up. Although I'm not sure how that worked in public places, he talked about how this habit stacking practice led him to lose 30-plus pounds and now do well over 100 push-ups a day. I loved this idea and I wanted to try it on myself. Although most of my attempts didn't stick, a gratitude habit did. I remember the exact moment when I realized that this habit was automatic. I didn't have to consciously think about it. On my walk to my office at work, I would think about what I was grateful for when I saw a certain tree outside of my office. 
I did and still do this every day. And I distinctly remember when I saw the tree and my brain automatically started going through my gratitude list without me intentionally thinking about it. It was cool. With enough practice, we can use this science of automatic thinking to our benefit. This helped me feel grounded after a busy morning of getting the kids ready and dropped off at school and going into a full email inbox of questions and concerns from students. My gratitude practice is a bridge that sustains me in the work I do. Reflection break. Question one, think of one way you can incorporate a gratitude practice into your life. Question two, who can you share it with? Question three, how can you use it with a habit stacking idea? Examples of how can something you already do like brushing your teeth, drinking coffee, driving to work, or resting in bed trigger this practice? If you'd like to purchase your copy of Jenna's book, just go to the Time of Grace store or click the link in today's episode notes. Thanks for listening.